morning. Good morning, family. It's your boy, Dom, and this is Red Cup Philosophy, the podcast. Now, I know what you're saying. It's been a minute. <laughs> More like three years, right? But um, there's a reason for that. Shortly after wrapping season one, I caught what I thought was a common, normal winter cold. Um, I was advised by my mother and my family and my friends after a couple of days to go and get treated. And I decided not to. Well, little did I know that not getting treated would balloon into something that was far worse than what I ever imagined and that it would take over and become part of my everyday life. So after the first ER visit, it took a turn, right? There was a rash that started on my elbows and then it spread to my ankles. By the next day, it was all the way up to my knees. I was swelling and whatever this thing was, it was starting to cripple me. So over the next two months, I experienced not only that rash and that swelling, but also arthritis in my hands, neuropathy in my feet to where I couldn't feel parts of everything. I lost 30 pounds. I was on a walker. I was could not sit by myself, could not stand by myself, couldn't bathe myself, couldn't couldn't do anything by myself. I literally needed 24 hour care in order to just do the basic things like eat, shower, live. Now, during that time, I did decide and I was seeking medical attention. And after five ER visits at four different hospitals, two different hospital stays ranging from three days on the shorter end and seven days on a larger end to two separate teams of doctors, one emergency surgery to have a mass removed. We finally got a diagnosis. And that diagnosis was polyarthritis nodosa. It's a rare autoimmune disease that literally takes over your body because there's too much inflammation in your arteries. So doctors, please correct me if I'm wrong, but out there, my body was literally fighting against itself in order for it to still be here. So after the surgery, after having a, a mass remove, my doctors recommended that because I had such an aggressive case, that my plan of treatment would be chemotherapy. So after five rounds of chemotherapy infusions, months and months and months of physical and operational therapy, occupational therapy, before the year was out. Since then, the journey has not been easy. And needless to say, there was no way and there was, and I did not do this alone. And I'm so thankful for every single person that came and, and cooked food for me and meal prepped for me. For those who took time off of their busy and work schedule to come and sit with me throughout the day and to take me to doctor's appointments, to co-workers who went grocery shopping for me and fraternity brothers who 
who literally came and watched my dirty ass draws and and all of the many family members and friends and family members that came and that poured into me and supported me while I was on this journey. I thank you. For all of you who prayed for me, who prayed with me, who sat with me and and did all of those different things, I could not be and receive this level of healing up until this point without you. But there was one person in particular who was there with me from the beginning. Fortunately or unfortunately, he's known me since the day I was born. <laughs> he is a classically trained professional opera singer. He's a creative. He's an artist. He's a librettist. He's what and who I affectionately call my triple B my biological big brother. So if you would help me welcome Gerard Lee. Good morning, family. Um, Hey, Gerard. Hey, Nick. How you doing? I'm all right. How you doing? I'm present. What? I'm present. I'm present. You ready? <laughs> you, got, um, you got your cup? I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Let's pull up. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. So, first question out the gate. Why did you come up to help me and to assist me when I got sick? That was something that I felt I needed to do. First off, I was able to do so. Um, I didn't have anything else going on. <laughs> Uh, I was able to do so and happy to do so. That's something that I felt I wanted to do, mm -hmm. not out of obligation, but out of a desire to want to see you thrive, mm. to live and be better than what you were. But you didn't know what you was getting yourself into. Uh-uh. Nope. And you just said yes. And just walked in with a can of Lysol and kept it going. <laughs> So, okay, so you were living in Baltimore at the time. Mm -hmm. And literally, I was laying in the hospital and I said, hey, I'm thinking about, well, I just got admitted. Um, just to let you know, FYI, you know, I'm in the hospital. And the first thing you said was, do you need for me to come up? Mm -hmm. And I hesitated for a couple of minutes. Yep. And then I said, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And you literally, I'm assumingly, packed your bag and left right then. Yes. Because everything right now seems a little blur. But um, I remember having a bag packed in my car, um, not knowing what it was or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. But I was like, okay, let's go. Um, it was a little scary because I did not know right. what it was. And I tend to like to know what I'm getting into, but. Right. That makes sense. Um, you often don't let people know what they're getting into. I don't. But uh, <laughs> you just say. But this on. time I didn't know. Well, yeah, you didn't know. Either. I didn't know what we were getting into. You I didn't were, know what I was getting into. And you were going through it. I was. And it took you a minute going to get to a point to them. be able to say, you know what? Let me offer let let me receive let me let people know that i need some help 
Right. Yeah. Right. So that drive up, what were you thinking? Oh, I cursed a lot. <laughs> On the drive up? Yeah. What cuss words did you use? Shit. And damn. <laughs> but I prefer shit. That's my favorite cuss word. I, 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 I know. Mm-hmm. Oh. You got a couple of others too, but we're going to leave. No, there. I... <laughs> those probably weren't appropriate for that moment. No, everything was appropriate for that moment. Because you didn't know what you was getting into. I was, so you was... It's damn. <laughs> Instead of praying, you cussing me out because you know what was going on. I prayed and cursed. Oh, that's balance. Mm-hmm. That's balance. Yes. That's real. That's that, I'm proud of And you. I called uh, a cousin mm-hmm. and had a good conversation with her. And she helped me out, you know, through the process okay. as I was driving and everything. Well, helped me process. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. Okay. Okay. I can understand that because you was getting into something that you didn't, you didn't know about. Yeah. You know, about, so when you walked into the hospital, mm-hmm. what were you feeling? When I first I even remember when I first drove up, you were in one hospital in Jersey, mm-hmm. um, and that hospital at the time was not allowing people, I think, to mm. enter a certain part or whatever. So I think I remember going in, or I parked, and uh, once I found the hospital, and then I remember going in, and I think maybe I asked a few questions. I was on the phone with you trying to get more information. Right. And um, I just remember going in, maybe there was some constru- construction going on or something like that. Okay. I had to eventually get your key. You did? Um, because I was not going back to Baltimore on that day. Right. I said I was just going to go ahead and stay the night because I didn't know what right. was up. If you needed a ride back to um, the apartment, or I didn't, so yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So again, you walked into this whole situation blind and not because you felt obligated, but because you felt like it was an opportunity or was it a, like it was an opportunity for you to do something? Was it an opportunity for you to be there? Was it a, obviously it was a choice you made yeah. because mind you at this time, I'm what? three days out from my 33rd birthday. Mm-hmm. And you know, at this point in your life, sometimes, you know, you may have a partner or a significant other who's there to take care of you <laughs> or some kids or somebody, you know, that can kind of help you out or some. <laughs> but uh, I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So literally I had to, <laughs> so literally I had to call my brother to help me. Oh, <laughs> that make you want a drink. So literally being able to call you because you were the closest family member as far as distance and proximity. Mm-hmm. And and you just said yes with with no hesitation. There was hesitation, but I said yes and. What was you hesitant about? You just don't know. I'm still human. Oh, okay. you know, I'm okay. like, uh, right. but it's uh, why you pack and go. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't a because it was me. No, it was oh, okay. because of the nature. I mean, everything was going on at right. the time. And I just knew I just had to get to you. And right. that was it. That was the goal. Just get to you. Middle of COVID, height of COVID. Yeah. 
and everything that was going on. So, okay, I can understand that. Around I can the, accept that. Around the same time, the the vaccines yeah, and everything was becoming out. available. Becoming a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, I yeah. can understand that. So, I got my vaccine, I think, right before, not then, but I remember I got my vaccine, ironically, right before everything happened. Everything, well, right before to come up for the long haul. See how God worked? Ain't that wonderful? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> after some time, mm -hmm. um, you realized you weren't going home. Mm -hmm. Like, this was going to be a long thing. Like, you were needed yeah. for a while. How was that adjustment going from living a single life, doing whatever it is that you wanted to do, um, living every single day by yourself, mm -hmm. to going to becoming someone else's caretaker? The reality for me was I did not know I was going to be a caretaker. Mm -hmm. I had a uh, place that I was renting. A friend of mine, a good friend of mine, allowed me to rent a room out of her home because I downsized a lot uh, with at the beginning of uh, the shutdown and everything. And so she allowed me to rent from her home. And I actually gave away everything that I had. I didn't sell anything. I gave it away um, and put whatever I had left in her garage. Mm -hmm. Then when everything was happening with you, she allowed me to keep my stuff in her garage, I think, for a little while. And then I told her that I was going to put my stuff in a storage unit because I was not coming back. So I was able to make arrangements to get the things out of her garage, put it in gotcha. a storage unit so that I could move in with you and help you. Right. Mm -hmm. So there were people along the way who assisted you oh, and assisted yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Like, who who kind of helped take care of you while you were taking care of oh, someone yeah. else. I couldn't have done that by myself. Mm. Not at all. I couldn't have done that by myself. Um, friends called mm -hmm. family members reached out um gave me money to assist me yeah. um friends who were mm -hmm. in new york reached out and said if there's anything that i can do let me know they were willing to do whatever they needed to do and to help me out to help you nice yeah i couldn't have done that by myself nice mm -hmm. i think it's important to know that even caretakers need someone to to help look after them and to support them yeah while they're supporting someone else right 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 um and that support is not only needed but it's also greatly appreciated oh yes yeah. and it helps because you're kind of devoting your whole life to someone else at this mm -hmm. point or or at least surrounding you know building your life around someone else's life yeah right um how did you manage merging the two everything that was going on with me and everything that you're doing together i had uh employers because i'm an opera singer mm -hmm. um, so i had employers that allowed me to come to them periodically throughout that process um i was doing i think some online work and that's when i started writing because i'm also a librettist mm -hmm. so I was doing a lot of quote unquote remote work. Right. So it gave me the opportunity to write at night after you went to sleep and I would stay up, watch PBS or whatever. <laughs> and uh, 
and uh, drink my little wine, light my little candle. You needed all that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. And I wrote, and I just continued writing until I got the assignment done, met the deadline. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. So let's, at this point, we've been doing this thing for what? Uh, probably like two months. Mm -hmm. Um, You literally moved from Baltimore to into my one bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. You, at this point, no family or no one else has come to visit. The only right. thing that we've had is virtual support. Right. Um, I wouldn't want or, them to come and visit anyway. <laughs> 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 we can uh, we can talk about when they came. We can talk about when they showed up. So, <laughs> so we've we've literally have learned to kind of weave. And, and mind you, at this point, I am one hundred percent depending on assistance. Mm -hmm. Still to this point, on a walker, mm -hmm. cannot get up. Cannot sit down, mm -hmm. cannot bathe myself, mm -hmm. cannot go to the restroom by myself, mm -hmm. can't wash any clothes, can't fix any food, mm -hmm. can't even feed myself at this point. Right. Um, right. So I'm Remember. literally laying in bed with you waiting on me hand and foot. Right. All right. That, yeah. Um, so there came a, a point when after so many different ER visits, so many different hospital visits, and I said, you know what? Um, let me, it, it came to a point where I needed to go to the ER yet again, mm -hmm. right? And I said, okay, now that, I said, at this time, I, I've been to so many different ER visits at so many different hospitals, I need to take the recommendation of my frat brother, shouts out to Dr. Cargill, my bad, love you frat, who recommended for me to go to NYU this time. Mm-hmm. So woke up one morning, wasn't feeling good. You in the living room doing whatever it is that you needed to do. And I said, you know what? I think I need to go to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay. And I was like, I'm, we need to go to NYU. Laying on. You said, okay. So we hop in the car, we get to the city. Um, They are allowing you to be, or allowing for one person to be in the emergency room with me. Right. 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 So we got there like around noonish. Um, ER is packed. So many different people. Mm -hmm. So many different situations. So many things that they're dealing with. ER is packed. They couldn't even put me in a in a room. They literally had my bed in the hallway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're sitting with me. They run a couple of tests throughout the day. We're there from like, like I said, noonish to about a good eight, nine o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. After all of these tests that they run, the doctor comes in and says, hey, we still don't know what's going on. There's like, no one can diagnose this. We don't know what's happening. There's only one more test that we can run, but we advise that you do it after you feel pain, mm -hmm. right? Like directly after you feel pain, go to the emergency room, the one that's closest to you, do this test. I guess he kind of saw that I wasn't feeling that. <laughs> so he said, or we can do this test since you're here, just so that we can say we ran all of the tests. 
And I said, yes, let's go and do this test. Mm -hmm. It's like, we don't think it's going to come back with anything, but we can definitely do it while you're here. So I um, so they take me back again to do one more type of test. And um, test took probably all of 10 minutes. And then um, what we did was they brought me back to the emergency room. Put me, I was back in the hallway. This time you, first, at first you were sitting behind me, but this time now you're sitting at the foot of my bed. They gave you a chair. I don't know if you had a chair the first time, but they gave you a chair. And um, I fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And you're leaning on the edge of the bed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. Doctor comes over mm -hmm. and he says, uh, Mr. Lee, we found a mass. And we've already alerted the the doctors, but you need to go in and have emergency surgery done. Mm -hmm. At that moment, I looked at you sitting at the foot of our at the foot of the bed. Um, I don't think I was wearing a mask, but you were wearing a mask. And for the first time, I saw you break. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what else to do, but what I told myself in that moment was that we're not doing that. So I turned back to the doctor and I just listened to what he had to say. Mm -hmm. What were you feeling in that moment? I felt the world was crumbling in personally. Yeah, I felt the world was crumbling in. I felt, because um, I was sitting in the chair at the foot of your bed, and the doctor was standing right there, and you was laying in the bed and everything. And uh, when he said that, with the mask on and everything, I was just thinking to myself, this is not how this is supposed to play out. This is not the report that's supposed to happen right. how am i supposed to share this information with our mom with our dad with our you know with our family how am i supposed to share this information like that i don't want to do that i don't want to go through that what is this uh i thought that i was holding it together but apparently i wasn't so it, it is what it is uh i probably got teary-eyed and all of that stuff and um Everything went numb. I remember everything went numb. Everything got quiet. And it was just like, a, I couldn't even hear what the doctor was saying after a certain point. Everything got numb. After the doctor said what they said, uh, time froze mm. for me. Time froze. And I remember looking at you <laughs> and you were saying, we're not going to do that. I remember looking at you and I was like, you cannot break down in front of Dominique. You cannot break down in front of him right now. Because it isn't going to help anything right now. So Fair. you you cannot do that right now. Um, I did do it in my car. Because I have to go get the car to come back and right. pick you up. I did do that in my car. 
And then once I released that and allowed myself to experience that and feel that, um, turned the car on and I was like, okay, let's go. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that, in that moment, the doctor.